Okay, now we're in Psalm 81. <laughs> I'll get that one line back in. Um, so according to some rabbis, Psalm 81 is for Rosh Hashanah, the beginning, the head of the new year. That begins tonight, the first day of the Feast of, T of Trumpets, as I mentioned before. The late Dwight Pryor of Jewish Christian Studies wrote, The Feast of Trumpets commemorates the creation of the world. So the Jews believe this was the day the world was created. And for that reason, it's called Rosh Hashanah, the head of the year. The Jewish sages taught that on this day, God created the world. So let's look at verses 1 through 4. I know we read a few of them before. We're going to read again. 1 through 4, sing aloud to God our strength. Make a joyful shout to the God of Jacob. Raise a song and strike the timbrel or the tambourine, the pleasant harp with the lute. So that's what we've just done. Blow the trumpet. That's what we've just done. The shofar, that's the biblical trumpet. At the time of the new moon, at the full moon on our feast day. For this is a statute for Israel and a law of the God of Jacob. It was actually a law to celebrate this day and there's a few reasons for it you'll hear more as we go through this <clears throat> so on Rosh Hashanah God showed that he was the strength of Israel and it was on this day that he canceled slavery to the Egyptians so that's significant he, it could be the day he created the world it could be the day that he he canceled the slavery to the Egyptians and the reason I say could be is because I get this from Jewish commentators and they usually do a whole lot of study and research and they usually know what they're talking about. Um, I'm not sure if they're always 100% accurate. And so I, I, take, I try to do my own research as well and take it with a little bit of a grain of salt. But that's what they say. So in verse, um, where is it that Jacob is mentioned? Patriarch Jacob. Oh, yeah, verse 4, thank you. A law of the God of Jacob. The reason Jacob is mentioned is because he went to Egypt with his sons and their families, only about 65 of them at the time. When he arrived, according to Jewish tradition, the years of bondage began. You remember that Pharaoh said they could live in Goshen, since they were shepherds, and be separate from the Egyptians. The first day of Tishri, which begins tonight on the Hebrew calendar, is a new moon. It says in verse 3, blow the trumpet at the time of the new moon. Rosh Hashanah is the only festive Jewish holiday that begins at this time of the month. The shofar is blown to commemorate the end of the Israelites' slavery on that day. Verse 5 says he established this in Joseph for a testimony when he went throughout the land of Egypt, where I heard a language that I did not understand. So I'm kind of break this verse down. The Hebrews took Joseph's name because he sustained them in Egypt, and they would often call themselves Joseph or the people of Joseph. God went throughout Egypt to execute his judgments. That's the he. He went throughout the land of Egypt. Do you know the ten plagues were judgments on their ten top gods? and he executed judgments on each of their gods. And he kept saying, I am the Lord your God. The word I, it says, uh, where I heard a language I did not understand, all the generations of Israel make up one body and they are sometimes spoken of as one person. A language refers to the Egyptian language which initially was unknown to the Hebrew nation. They wanted to speak Hebrew, which was their holy language. 
And since they were separated in place and conversation from the Egyptians, it took them quite a while to learn Egyptian. So it was a language they did not understand. And then over the course of 400 years while they were in Egypt, of course, they kept multiplying. So 65 went to hundreds and then to thousands and then to tens and hundreds of thousands until eventually there were about three million that were led out through the wilderness. And so that here we've got all of these Hebrews living. I wanna just say what, what I also read this week. They were in a foreign land with a foreign people. They heard foreign words. But after crying out to God, God delivered them. So look at verse 6. I removed his shoulder from the burden. His hands were freed from the baskets. You called in trouble and I delivered you. I answered you in the secret place of thunder. I proved you at the waters of Meribah. If there's a B in the middle of the word, you pronounce it V, Meribah. So they were in the foreign land with foreign people hearing foreign words, but then God delivered them. And he says... Uh, referring to the baskets and burdens, that refers to the days of slavery when they carried water, straw, lime, and bricks in baskets and on their shoulders. And God says, I removed his shoulder from the burden. You called and I answered you. I delivered you. I tested you in the wilderness. The waters of Meribah, you'll remember, were the waters of strife and contention. God is the one who delivered them. He's the one who delivered them from slavery. He's also the one who delivers us from slavery, bondage, fear, oppression. He is also the one who tests us when strife and contention increase to see how we will respond. So you've noticed, of course, that strife and contention has increased in our nation. It's, can, it's increased in many homes, in cities, in states. There's an increase of strife and arguing and fighting and, and betrayal and hatred and great offense is on the increase. This is the time when God will test us. Where are our hearts? Will we walk in forgiveness? Will we refuse to hold on to resentment and bitterness? Will we continue to love? Will we continue to strive for unity with one another and not allow the enemy to separate us? And then verse 8 through 10, he says, Hear, O my people, and I will admonish you. O Israel, if you will listen to me, there shall be no foreign God among you, nor shall you worship any foreign God. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide, and I will fill it. So many times in Scripture, God admonishes his people to hear, to listen to him. And this applies to us also, his new covenant people. We, of course, hear him through the scriptures, but we also hear him speak to our hearts, to our spirits. We hear him through other people as they share things that the Holy Spirit says, that is for you. And I want us to go, if you would, to Deuteronomy 6. This is a just very familiar passage, Deuteronomy 6, 4 and 5. In Hebrew, this is called the Shema, and it's because in, the, in verse 4, he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Shema is, is the imperative from the infinitive Lishmoa. And in Hebrew, that means to hear and to obey. It's always included. You hear and you obey. You don't just hear. We never have an option to hear and then decide what we do. 
We hear and we obey. So he's saying, Shema, Israel, listen, hear, O Israel. The Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. So that's the first command. And he says, listen to me, people of God, listen to me. You are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. You're to love him with all that you are. Now that's to us as well. Jesus quoted it again in the new covenant that we love him with all that we are. It's not an option. We love him with our emotions. We love him with our thoughts. We love him with our actions and with our strength. We love him with our hearts. We love him with our words. We love him with our attitudes, with our values, with our priorities. That's all loving the Lord with all that we are. Now go to Isaiah 55. We'll come back to Psalm 81, but go to Isaiah 55. It's another verse about hearing. 55, 2 and 3. Isaiah 55, 2 says, Why do you spend money for what is not bread, and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me, and eat what is good. And let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me here and your soul shall live and I will make an everlasting covenant with you the sure mercies of David So let's kind of take this apart a little bit in verse 2 halfway down He says listen diligently to me. Don't be complacent about it. Don't be passive about it Don't have the attitude of if God wants to speak to me. He can do it You know that a lot of people say if God wants to heal me. He can do it I don't have to ask for it if God wants to speak to me, he can do it. I don't need to ask for it. And yet here he says, listen diligently to me and eat what is good. It is good to listen diligently to him. Let your soul delight itself in abundance. That means when we hear the Lord, there's an abundance that comes into our life. Incline your ear. That's an active verb. You listen intently to him and come to me. Another active verb here and your soul shall live. And if we do not hear, there are parts of our souls that will not live. So we need to hear his voice. We need to come to him. We need to incline our ear to him and say, speak, Lord, your bondservants are listening. Lord, I'm listening for you. Be diligent to hear his voice. There are blessings that come with that. Life comes from hearing the voice of the Lord. So my question to us is, do we actively listen for his voice? Do we diligently listen for his voice? Or are we so busy with our lives that we do what we think we know we should do and we just stay busy all the time? Do we pause and say, Lord, what would you say to me? What is your word to me today? What is obedience for me today? Now let's read on. Um, I've already read. I'm going to read again. In verses 9 and 10, he says, There should be no foreign God among you, nor shall you worship any foreign God, for I am the Lord your God. So God admonishes them, don't worship any foreign God. I am the Lord your God. I brought you out of Egypt. And to us, he says similar words. I brought you out of darkness into my kingdom of light. I've transferred you into a place of grace. I will take care of you. Don't look to any other God. This, you know, really this Psalm 81 ties in with Psalm 85 that James Poole shared with us last week. I love seeing the correlation, the the false gods, the worshiping of only God, and, and we'll see more as we go on. 
Deuteronomy 5, 6, 7, and 9 says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You know, we were all in bondage before he brought us into his house. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. God is jealous for your time, for your tension. He's jealous over each one of you. You're precious in his sight. Idol worship takes on many forms. If we're not careful to keep our eyes on Jesus, then at some point we might find ourselves making an idol out of something or someone. How many people do you know have made an idol out of a grandchild, out of a spouse, after hopefully a future spouse? They're looking for a spouse and it's become an idol to them. When Reuben and I used to do a lot of single retreats, we talked about the idol of marriage. We also talked about the idol of singleness. We can make idols out of all kinds of things, all kinds of people. Psalm 20 verse 7 says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. We will not put our trust in anything or anyone else. He is our God. Psalm 16 verse 4 says, Their sorrows shall be multiplied who hasten after another God. Boy, we sure don't want that, do we? Sorrows hastening after us because we are hastening after another God. Psalm 81.10 where he says, Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. A, a, Jew, a Jewish commentator said this about this verse. He said, Because of God's goodness and generosity, it is foolish for us to follow strange gods. And then speaking for God, he says, When you ask for your needs to be met, you demonstrate your faith in my omnipotence and benevolence. The more you ask for help and the wider you open your mouth, the more you show that you believe in my ability to provide for all of your needs. Now, I'd never heard that phrase uh, talked about that way. I'd always heard, you know, get in the pulpit, and if you're not prepared, it's okay. Open your mouth, and he'll fill it. He'll give you the words to speak. But actually, in context, that's not what, what it means. In context, is very key. So he says, uh, the more you ask for help, the wider you open your mouth and your dependence on the Lord and your humility before God, the more you show that you believe in his ability to provide for all of your needs. LifeWay Research surveyed 1,000 American Protestant pastors a year ago, September last year. The pastors identified eight modern idols that distract believers from their relationship with God. The first one was comfort. Michael just came in and adjusted the temperature. We all want comfort, right? We don't want to be too cold. We don't want to be too hot. We don't want to be hungry. We don't want to go without sleep. We love our comfort. No wonder the American church fears persecution so much because we love to be comfortable. We don't want to be uncomfortable. So that's the number one idol that, that contends with God for our hearts. You know, we, we, our hearts should be so captivated by the Lord that we say, Lord, no matter whether I'm comfortable or uncomfortable, I will serve you. I will praise you. I'll worship you. The second idol is control or security. The third one is approval of others. That means we fear man more than we fear God. The fourth one is money. The fifth is success. 
The sixth is social influence. The, the seventh is political power. And the eighth is romantic love or sex. What was not on that list, but is a significant God in our nation and in Western civilization is food. Food is a little God with a lot of power. Eating satisfies more needs than just hunger. It's a comfort to us. You know, how many of us, our parents made us something good to eat when we did well in school? It's an anesthetic. It numbs pain, depression, and disappointment. In Philippians 3.19, Paul mentions those whose God is their belly. So it's obviously a God. It's an idol. And there are food addictions now that there's support groups for Overeaters Anonymous and so forth. Um, a, few, a few years ago, I think it was about six years ago, I, a friend and I were discipling some Baylor students. And two of the girls spoke to me and they said, everyone we know is either anemic, not anemic, anorexic or bulimic. They said it's all over the Baylor campus. No one's happy with their, their body and they all want to be thinner and they're all either bulimic or anorexic. I don't, know, I don't know what it's like now, but that's what they said some years ago. So idols distract believers. They compete for their hearts. They compete for their time. They compete for their love. The Apostle John gave a strong admonition in 1 John 5.21. Here he'd given five chapters in this book of 1 John, all on relationship and fellowship with the Father, making sure our hearts are clean before Him, we're not walking in deliberate sin, the importance of loving the Father, the importance of loving others, and His last words were, little children, keep yourself from idols. With everything else you do, make sure you don't give in to an idol. Make sure Jesus is Lord of your heart. So let's go back to Psalm 81. I'm going to read verses 11 and 12. <clears throat> so he starts in verse 8. He had said, Hear my people, I'll admonish you. Israel, if you will listen to me. And then verse 11 he said, But my people would not heed my voice, and Israel would have none of me. So I gave them over to their own stubborn heart to walk in their own counsels. Remember James said last week that um, America has became and is becoming again just so settled in our own wealth and our achievements, our accomplishments and so forth and that we've left our first love of making Jesus Lord of everything. And this is what he's saying here. My people wouldn't listen to me. They don't, didn't want anything to do with me. They had reached a place of success where they felt they did not need me anymore. And so what did God do? Verse 12, I gave them over to their own stubborn heart to walk in their own counsels. This is happening again on quite a large scale. When we won't listen to the Lord and we won't, don't want anything to do with Him, He will give us over to our stubborn hearts and counsels. That, you know, that's scary. I don't want the Lord to give us over to our own stubbornness. He'll let us continue in our stubborn ways in order to bring us to our senses. 
Verse 13, we see the Lord's heart here. He says, Oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. I would soon subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their adversaries. The haters of the Lord would pretend submission to him, but their fate would endure forever. He would have fed them also with the finest of wheat and with honey from the rock. I would have satisfied you. So in verse 13, we see that he longs for his people to listen to him and walk in his ways. He doesn't want to give them over to their own stubborn hearts and counsels. He wants them to listen to him so he can bless them. Verse 14 through 16, he says he wants to subdue and punish their enemies. And he wants to do that for us. He wants to subdue and punish our enemies. He wants to feed us and satisfy us. Verse 16, he would have fed them with the finest of wheat and with honey from the rock. I would have satisfied you. Have any of you read Jonathan Kahn's new book, The Return of the Gods, yet? I think you're getting adverts like I am. I was given one this week, so I read it this week, so my friend could take it home to South Africa. She said, we'll never get this in South Africa, so send it on with her. But I want to quote some of what he said. <clears throat> the faith of, uh, if you don't know Jonathan Kahn, he is a preacher. He's, um, he speaks in big settings. He's a messianic rabbi. He's very prophetic. And so he, it's really, he, he's one of the people that Reuven and I follow, and I believe some of you do too. He said, the faith of Western civilization comes from ancient Israel. The Bible consists of the writings of Israel, the Psalms of Israel, and the chronicles and history of Israel. The spiritual DNA of Western civilization comes from and in many ways is the spiritual DNA of ancient Israel. You know, so all the more when the Lord's speaking to the Israelis, we need to also take it to heart. In the case of America, the connection is even stronger. As Israel was consecrated to God from its conception, so was America. America was established after the pattern of ancient Israel. In its founding days, the Puritan leader John Winthrop gave the new nation a charge based on Moses' charge to the Israelites. If America followed the ways of God, he said, it would become the most blessed, prosperous, and powerful of civilizations. And you know that's happened. But he also gave a prophetic warning. This is mentioning Winthrop. He said, but if our hearts shall turn away so that we will not obey, but shall be seduced and worship and serve other gods, our pleasure and profits, and serve them, we shall surely perish. So America, at its inception, was given the same warning that Israel was given at its inception. It was warned against turning away from God and against the seduction of other gods. That's so why we're praying for our nation, for a spirit of repentance over our nation. We need to turn back to God. And as individuals, if there's areas of idolatry in our own lives or stubbornness in our own hearts, we need to turn back to God. So let's look at verse 16 again. He would have fed them also with the finest of wheat. That means the cream or the fat of the wheat. In the wilderness, God fed them manna, which was more delicious and more nutritious than the cream of the wheat goes on to say, with honey from the rock, I would have satisfied you. He also gave them water out of a rock 
that was sweeter than honey. So Rabbi Rokeach says this verse is an appropriate conclusion because this psalm is so related to Rosh Hashanah. On this festive day, we dip an apple in honey and we wish others a happy and a sweet new year. So the new year in Israel begins tonight at sundown. And so before we go toward the apples, I want us to examine our hearts in line with Psalm 81. According to verse 8, are we hearing what the Holy Spirit is saying to us? Are we hearing what God is saying to the churches? Do we listen for His voice? Do we actively listen? Do we attentively listen? Do we diligently listen for His voice? And then when we hear Him, how quickly do we obey? And then from verse 9, are we worshiping any foreign gods? Or are our hearts fully the Lord's? Do we need to confess any idols? Again, it can be anything. It can be any person. It can be an ideology. It can, it can be a place. Do we need to confess the idols of comfort, control, security, approval of others, the idols of success, money, social influence, or food. And then verses 10 and 16, do we trust the Lord to provide for all of our needs? Are we like the Israelis that Elijah called up to Mount Carmel as he bantered with the God of Baal, Baal as we grew up calling him, and remember after the those who worship Baal, Baal, were cutting themselves and crying out to Baal to answer by fire because the God who answered by fire, he would be the Lord that the Israelites would follow. They had, the Israelis had separated themselves. They, were, they were, had a divided heart. They worshiped Baal and sometimes they worshiped God, but they were not fully the Lord's at that point. And Elijah called the false prophets of Baal up to the mountain and he said, y'all build an altar here and I'll build an altar here. And the God who answers by fire, he is the Lord. And so these false prophets, for a long time, many hours, crying out to their God, nothing happened. So when it was Elijah's turn, he got water and he put it all over the altar. He put it all over the rocks. He put it all over everything. And then he cried out to God. And God answered by fire and burned up the water, burned up the rocks, set ablaze the you know, the wood he had put there. And then Elijah led them in the, in the phrase, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. So I'd like you to say that with me. The Lord, he is God. No one else that we worship, nothing else that our hearts are attracted to. Let's say it again. The Lord, he is God. And he needs to be our God. You know, when we were younger, maybe we had energy and we were radical and we served the Lord as much as we could and sometimes when we get older we make excuses for why we don't because we're tired and we're don't feel that well but we need to make sure our hearts stay connected to the Lord that the Lord he is God so I want to pray for us and then we're gonna move on into the Rosh Hashanah part of our morning Lord as you've heard us all say today we recognize that you are the Lord, the God of Israel, and you are our Lord, our God, 
and we will worship and serve you only. So Lord, would you examine our hearts, see if there's any idolatry in our hearts. And Lord, would you deliver us from the bondage of that idolatry? Would you set us free from any other idol dictating to us so that you are Lord and God over everything we do and say, everything we are. Our future is secure in you because we trust in you. We don't want at the end of our lives that you say to us, if you'd only heard my voice, if you'd only followed what I gave you to do, I would have fed you with the finest of wheat. I would have given you honey out of the rock. I would have met all of your needs. Lord, I pray all of us would listen for your voice. All of us will obey. And, and that we would so align ourselves with you and your word that it is only natural that you would bless us, that we open our mouth wide and you fill it. You are omnipotent, you're benevolent, we trust you with our lives, we trust you with our future as uncertain as things look right now. We declare the Lord, he is God. And we pray together that our nation would come back to you, that there would be a a spirit of repentance over our nation and that we would fear the Lord our God again, that we would kneel before you and we as a people would declare the Lord, he is God. He is God of America. Lord, we've wandered far away. Would you draw us back by your Holy Spirit? And in the midst of judgment, would you remember mercy? In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so what we do is um, this apple and honey can be moved to that table. Thank you. And there's some wet wipes on that table. Someone might have, like Sarah, might give one to every table and you can all, because we're all family, we all share the same wet wipe. Just don't lick it. You know, don't use it on your face, just on your hands. And those of you that are sitting back there, we need to get an apple and honey to you or Another plan is uh, that y'all just kind of come over here and sit with Jody, and all of y'all share the apple and honey here. So what you do is someone takes the initiative to cut the apple. You, you can slice it, or you can slice it kind of normally in quarters and eighths, or you can just slice off pieces of it. And everyone with me? So you take your slice of what we do is serve each other, okay? So dip the, the apple in the honey, hand it to someone, and you will say to them that you wish them a sweet and a blessed new year. You can do this with your families later today too or tonight. Thank you, Sarah. So y'all can sit at any table, but Jody's table is, you know, we need more people at Jody's or she's gonna eat that whole apple. Thank you, Sarah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm going to join Cameron over here. So as you're doing this, let me just say that Reuven and I wish all of you and your family a most peaceful, healthy, and prosperous new year. Blessing in every way. We, we bless you in the name of the Messiah of Israel, Jesus, Yeshua, and our soon coming King. This could be the year of his return. Some people believe he'll come during the Feast of Trumpets. Be nice if he came tonight, right? Let's be ready. He could come at any time.
Next week, we're going to look at Psalm 48. If you want to make a note, we'll also try to send you an email. Psalm 48. Sorry. Oh, you want to say about your granddaughter? Is that what you're saying? Your great-granddaughter?